Go on then, Matt. Tell you, tell us your. I, I think the issue with the us telling our testimonies is that we're both been brought up in the church. Yeah. <laughs> thrilling. Thrilling in in different ways, I think. You Personally, know, thrilling. Yeah. Story of salvation for every person, I think, is incredible. Like, just, you know, how you go from one type of person. I remember, like, being a, being a young person in church and being filled with um, kind of thoughts of, in the future, you know. Um, I'll, I'll do that in the future. Yeah. You know, that was, I think that's, like, probably a, a, a youth thing, like, I'll uh, I'll put that off. I'll, I'll I'll get serious about God in a few years. You know, I just need to like just you know sort just do whatever I want to do, and and of course that that point never arrives mm-hmm. for quite a few people. But thankfully, you know, I had moments and experiences where it kind of forced me um, to kind of re- evaluate where I was and where I wanted to go and stuff and. Similar to you, I think. Well, it's because you did it with me. <laughs> yeah. We went to conferences and things together. Yeah. So it helps. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Um, I think the phrase I, I used was like when I'm an, when I'm an adult. Mm. And I don't think it was procrastination, definitely. It was just because it was the general procrastination of doing anything serious. Mm. But I don't think I knew what it really entailed so I just thought well you know one day one day and I was never really encouraged or pressured or anything to do it before Mm. you know um, so it was about 16 for me when were you kind of initially I was about five-ish the first time Mm. Um, remember going to a church service in Norfolk and I must have experienced. I must have seen stuff that made me think, oh, you know, like this looks interesting. Yeah. I remember saying to her mom, "So how did you become a Christian then?" And uh, she said to me, "Well, you just you say this prayer." And she was like, "You say this sentence." So I said that sentence. She said, "Now we say this," and it was just real like childlike stuff, yeah. really simple stuff. But at the end of the prayer, I remember this feeling of lightness and and like being different and just like like real peace and that was a five-year-old you know yeah like that concept you know the concept of a child experiencing peace you think a child has peace right yeah but don't actually have the peace of god you know Mm. um and i experienced that and that shows like you know any kid at any age can experience god I totally believe. Yeah, I suppose that's the, the point, isn't it? To push or to encourage or to guide them at any at any age. Mm. Um, and for me, like, I remember being prayed with, with my dad when I was about four. Mm. I don't remember particularly experiencing anything, uh, but I remember being very young and just it happening. Um, but I'd already kind of established in my head that this was, it was true. So, because you've been brought up to believe it was true. Uh, I had a few kind of moments along the way, like I think I went to a church when I was 11 um, where people were being prayed for. I remember being prayed for myself and feeling something, mm. having a sense of God there. 
Um, and then after that, you know, it was moments where I think for me, sixteen. Uh, it's I, a big age that, and it seems yeah. to happen to a lot of people at sixteen. You know what? It, it, I mean, in school as a teacher, you know, sixteen is the age where you suddenly realise. Wait a second, I'm kind of on my own after this. Mm. Now I'm not, you know, I'm not completely on my own, but something's happening this year where if I don't sort myself out, my life is not ruined, but it's certainly there's some consequences to it. Mm. So around Christmas, even some of the lazy, really lazy ones are apathetic. Mm. You can see this attitude shift where they're like, oh my word, I need to now work. Mm. So I'm kind of looking for my year 11s at that moment where they're like right, okay I'm, I'm needing to work now mm. and I suppose the same it's just life isn't it I like if you're delaying it or procrastinating until you're an adult or till later 16 is about the time where you're thinking wait a second life's going to hit me my life is no longer scripted day mm. in day out yeah. by somebody else it's now a little bit more down to me and so maybe that's why mm. um, and I kind of had my like help of my old pastor mm. he just said do you want to come around and uh, see what I do and at the same time I was like thinking a lot more I need to do something I kind of feel I suppose you know in the traditional sense people would have said you felt called like but I felt like God was speaking to me and saying time to get serious mm. now I don't think I particularly got that serious mm. but I got more serious than I had before mm. Um and so I started to attend things that I thought were useful and I think that's really the beginning of everything you know it, it's not I got saved at 16 it's I did something about it at 16 so it wasn't a profound moment but it was a progression over a few months I guess of realising that God could interact in my life mm-hmm. I remember visiting a church in Huddersfield actually and they had got a massive massive building and they were and they were building an even bigger one, mm. and I and they were and I remember I think I visited them midweek, where people at work and there was a buzz about the place even midweek, and I was thinking, wow, this is exciting. I can imagine if you were going to this church, it would be exciting to be here. Yeah, um, and that made an impression on me. And then going to conferences like me and you went to, like Ryan Bonkey and stuff, mm. just. You know they're chaotic. There's you know they're a little bit messy, mm. but there's something going on. And also realizing that it's not just you in your little corner of the world. It's part of something a little bit bigger and actually even bigger. You know, particularly when you hear people in Africa scenes scenes in Africa. You think, yeah, this is a global thing. Mm. This is a, a real a serious thing. Yeah. yeah. I remember when when I was. Um because I'd gone through that period of like, you know, later, later, you know, I'll put this off, you know, I'll do other stuff. I then, again, hitting 16, it was at a Jared Cooper um, little, I think it was just... The festival? Just, yeah, I think it was just a meeting. I think it was just yeah. a meeting kind of in Derbyshire. And, and I just experienced so much of, you know, a God that actually cares about me. Mm-hmm. And and that was the, that was the moment where like it, it went from a head knowledge, you know, okay, you know, I've I've grown up around this stuff, you know, I've grown up around the name, you know, Jesus being said so often, but then I I was started thinking, okay, he actually cares about me, and um, and but 
it wasn't it wasn't a head knowledge it was it was a, it was an experience of the holy spirit like you know we both like don't believe it, it is possible to have a, a passionate relationship with god without the holy spirit it's it's mm. definitely a lot lot more difficult yeah. um and so yeah I, I experienced the holy spirit at that point and uh and it was just it was almost like you know i, I went into that experience being you know a kid and then i came out having a million and one more questions but i was prepared to fundamentally just go for it just to find out who he was and you know from that point you know i i started to you know read scripture read you know read just you know, if you can hear anything on the background that's that's my dog um just snoring, snoring. Yeah. yeah just you know it's the background noise it's shows like, you how peaceful of a place it is it's oh yes he's all he's always sleeping you know it's very good at sleeping <laughs> yeah and, and just like from that moment just um getting to know him um because it's a process you know, yeah it's it's a long process um at times i've i've come out of the process at times you know i've come back into the process but at that early age, you know, I heard the voice of God quite frequently, and I know you did. Mm. And like that's that's a lesson I think that it was almost like we we were young people that had experienced something but didn't have a road out with it. Oh, I mean, in terms of guidance, totally, there is no help by but you're surrounded by willing people, people mm. who want to help you. But they don't know the roadmap either. No. You know, and this is why, you know, I was speaking to somebody the other day who became a Christian, who came to faith, as it were, as an adult, like just a few years ago. Mm. And they had this like blinding moment almost, like where, wow, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian now, I'm going to live completely differently to how I've lived for my entire life before this. Mm. Where in your growing up in the church, you know, you, you go, you have moments, but you have this progression. Mm. And uh, you kind of pick up your faith. It's a cultural thing. You know, you've got this this thing that you've been growing up in. It's yours, but you don't understand it. Mm. So you pick it up if you want. But I, I would say I've seen people who've grown up in the church not pick it up mm. at all. Mm. And then I've seen some pick it up and then put it back down. And then pick it up again. Or some people who've just picked it up and ran with it you know it's just what you do with it it's always there because you grew up with it mm. you grew up with people who were talking in the way that Christians talk who like sung songs on on Sundays who gave money as part of their day to day lifestyle mm. who you know gathered together uh, and did all kinds of weird things really and then you have to do something with it mm. and I would say yeah it's you know God helping you pick it up at 16 or whenever and then yeah, you, but you don't see some people don't do it at all, and yeah. that's where I've seen people leave. And it's because probably those who wanted to help them, who should have helped them, just didn't know what to do. So it's like the, the hope, hope deferred makes a heart sick. It's it's deferred kind of destiny. Yeah, I yeah. think in a lot of people. What is this all about? Yeah, you know, like this this is amazing, mm. but what 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 is the point? What why did God kind of come into my life for? 
uh, I I think like for me doing this podcast um, is a way of talking about that because I, th- I think it's it's a thing that's not really talked about in church and Christianity like what do we do you know when we've been Christians for a while you know or a, a short while mm-hmm. you know where do we take this you know are we meant to take it somewhere are we meant to talk about our own destiny why God you know bought bought us with such a price you know or do we just you know just wander through our, our, our faith or do we have a voice you know yeah. um, and that's that's the question that I'm asking myself and and like how many voices should there be in in, in Christianity that should be heard and have a voice and have you know a real important thing to learn from um, but aren't don't have the avenue don't have the channel don't have the, the, the you know the place for them to express what they've learned what they've experienced I think that has come way later for me though in that in fact it's never come because I'm not the kind of person who wanted to do anything mm. I was very content just to be there mm. and I remember somebody coming to our our church and then left a few years later based around the fact that that person wanted to do something mm. and wasn't comfortable just sitting in church and then went off to do something else in another church and at first I was just like well you've got to be comfortable just being in church yeah you know and that's your problem and then I, I kind of warmed around to the fact that actually a lot of people it, because it's not because it's your life it's about accessing your destiny it's about accessing the meaning you are on the earth mm. why you're even here what are you doing yeah and looking to church to find that mm. And it's a really serious question, like, why are you here? And if anything, I still don't know. And because it's not good enough to say you're here just to worship God, to attend church and to be a a part of it. Mm. Neither is it good enough, really, to settle with this idea that you're there to encourage other people or maybe you're you're there to kind of bless the world around you. It really is very helpful to be specific. Mm. You know, people want to know. I, when I talk to kids and I think about what they want to do after school, it's not enough to say, why don't you go and work with people? Or why don't you go and work on the outdoors? That's not helpful, actually, no. because it can fill them with pipe dreams about these grand careers. But neither does it give them anything to actually do. They don't know what to do with that. Mm they kind of just look okay I'll I guess I'll go to college fine but that's for some people stalling if you said I tell you what you want to be a fireman well here's a few things we can do to actually be a fireman mm. I'm going to start tracking your fitness because you probably need to be this fit and then there's places you can go to experience what it's like to be a fireman mm. and and then maybe you can kind of go and speak to some firemen you can actually do stuff with it and it gives people a road to go where being so-called encouraging in a general sense can actually be so unhelpful because you just are left I have no idea what to do Mm. so really I think 
it's nobody's fault but it's definitely you've got to push to find out what you, you want to do yeah. specifically I think it bears down to partially the fact that um, Christianity and faith can quite easily become quite comfortable yeah um, and I think that's that's something that's positive in, in you know in a way but also if if you don't understand like the New Testament and and the danger that early disciples went through and the risk they they took mm-hmm. um I think a big portion of of you of each person's destiny can be left um, lost entirely and uh, so like I, I've at this point in my life I've, I've started to to ask myself a lot more questions about what it what does it look to, like to be a Christian you know how much risk you know should I actually be experiencing how much how uncomfortable should I be making myself because so much of you know those gospels I see is just it's uncomfortable what they went yeah. through wasn't comfort wasn't like you know a comfortable house you know a, you know a dog car mortgage and that those all all those things are good things but it's not what we were born for you know no although the most successful people i've seen in that in taking the risk day to day have been those who've been most prepared to just deal with day-to-day life mm. and then with that kind of not wrapped up but with that kind of sorted yes i'm going to be doing this i'm going to have my house i'm i'm not going to be terrified of doing going to job interviews i'm going to get a job i'm going to get a house it's not going to be a lifelong worry mm. with that kind of wrapped up their confidence is kind of higher they're more life assured mm. and then they're like right i'm going to see what i can do about my faith yeah you know, I would say, like, I would say my upbringing was a lot more abstract than that. It was, you know, just be, a, I just want you to be happy. I want you to be a good person. I want you to know God. Mm. That's great. And I, I really, like, applaud my parents' intentions in that. Um, but I think being practically minded growing up is also incredibly important because it can actually just remove all those anxieties from your life. Mm so that you can face the the challenges that you're talking about mm. where actually I've seen if you just prepare for the Christian life actually real life slaps you around the head mm. and then you get completely sidetracked from it mm. um, and and it can be it can be debilitating you know not doing the things that you just want to do in day to day life because you've been so head in the clouds and I don't I hate that phrase that to be too heavenly minded of no earthly good mm. I don't think that's entirely true but I understand the sentiment and where it comes from mm. and it's like you need to be of earthly competence to actually then go you don't have to be great at it you don't have to be a, an entrepreneur or a great businessman you just need to kind of put those things to one side because you, you're capable of living yeah. and I, I would say I wasn't probably that, <laughs> that grounded I literally walked around in my brain half the time and never thought about the practical applications of life until probably too late so I've been really blessed to kind of stumble into the position I've got now where I have a house and I have a wife and I have a job 
but part of that feels like it's just been God being super kind to me yeah. because it's like yeah without my unbelievable help mm-hmm. you would not have any of these things yeah. you know so I yeah. to that I can yeah I can vouch <laughs> for that kind of that way of thinking you know just everything good that I have in my, my life has come from him like you know I just it's, it's not even false humility it's just an awareness of you know who I am, what I've done so far, and, and what I've ended up and, and mm. landed in, is just everything. I, I think ultimate, ultimately it was, you know, if if you put yourself out there, if you go for it, God will back you up. Mm. You know, um, He will always be there. He will always, He will never, never leave you. And I've really found that in my life. You know, as much as I push myself, as much as I, you know, um, just make myself uncomfortable and go for what I think is correct and what God wants of me. You know, sometimes I've, I've mis- misheard, you know, we all do. Yeah. And we all make mistakes, but, you know, I think it's something of that, like of just actually just going for it and, and trying to find your destiny and trying to get into what he wants from you. Um, but, um, yeah, and also kind of is making me think about... Um, identity which I'd like to touch on just for a second you know at this point in my life I, I, I feel like in my faith I was going to interject and say you feel old don't you oh I feel I feel, <laughs> I, feel I don't know you just you, you hit an age where you start thinking about stuff you start thinking about past you, you start thinking about future you start thinking about how you see yourself you're more you're more aware of how who you are and so you start kind of asking yourself more questions and I feel like you know in my talking about my faith um, I feel like you know the devil has kind of almost tried to label me in many different times many different ways and you know I've started to come across the real identity of who I am in Christ and that is completely completely chosen um, completely loved um, you know needed in the kingdom which is it is another point mm. you know I am needed I'm a part of the body you know I, I, I injured myself uh, a while back uh, my, my leg Play football. Playing football. Yeah. And, and you know, that kind of led on to issues with, you know, blood retention in my leg, which made me pass out. And I felt like God was saying, you know, you can injure yourself. You can put, injure a part of... That's my dog just shaking himself. <laughs> you can injure a part of your body and you think it's just a small part of your body, but it can make the whole body pass out. Mm. You know, and like, we've got to be more aware of each part of each body uh, you know in, in, in church in area and how important they are um, because we need each other so you're now you're touching on like personal identity and corporate identity yeah because that's yeah I mean personal identity yeah I've had you go through that and I've gone through that in serious serious stages of my life where I've come to this point where um you know, it's under attack. You're not kind of sure who you are. You know, every young person, no matter what their faith, 
we'll go through this who am I what am I here for mm. for and particularly I think for young Christians or to be honest lifelong Christians like you you've spent so many times so many years just wasting your time most of you and not really doing what you kind of brought up to think you should be doing so then there's this issue of like yeah I've wasting I've wasted years you know what am I doing and I think the somebody talking about the prodigal son really helped me in that because I suppose in some points of my life I have been prodigal in that I've left but in the actual word prodigal wasteful I have been wasteful mm. and understanding that he accepts back the wasteful was really helpful like mm, um and that not just like, yeah, you're back on probation, but the idea that you're back. And he gave him in the story a ring, like his signet ring, mm. which would have been, you're fully back in the family, go not you're part of the family business. Mm. Even though you have been totally wasteful with the, the family and the family's business, you are now fully authorized to be part of the family business once more. Mm. You're not like, like, we're really pleased to have you back now go out and just chill out in the fields and leave it to me and your brother to sort out. And I really liked that. It really helped me. Mm, mm. The corporate identity, you know, what church you should be doing? Absolutely. I mean, I genuinely think that you get individuals that are parts of the body, the whole physical body mm. of Christ. But then I think that certain churches seem to fulfill certain roles. Mm. Like some more are mission-based churches or evangelistic. Some are really good at ministering to the church. Some are more priestly, I suppose you could say, more ministering to God. Mm. And they all are important. And it's so easy to just to kind of get sucked up into this. But we're supposed to be evangelizing the world. Mm. Why are they not doing it? Mm. And I've seen that actually cause churches to plant churches almost over the top of one other church. Because it's like, you're not doing the job. It's like, okay, fair enough, there's a territory there, people who don't know God. But they have value in whatever they're doing, their expression. You know, they may not have the same gifts as you, they may not think like you. Mm. And they may need you, but they don't need you to take over. They just need you to partner up with them. Mm. Um, and I would like to see that, I think, you know, because understanding what we're all good at. Yeah, it, it's it's um, it's an understanding of, of family, you know, and... and, and you know, brothers and sisters in Christ and, and being, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, when I was young, there was a bit more of an identity of, you know, different Christians, different churches being aware of themselves and caring slightly more. Um, I, I, think, I, find, I find very much now that, you know, possibly due to social media, you know, kind of making... Um, people the society very fractured you know and and i feel like churches are very fra fractured now um you know even even in my history you know 10 years ago in this area you know places had a lot more to do with each other had you know did things did weekends away with each other um and i've like you know travel around different parts of the country and, and I've, I've really been more aware of of you know is it an arrogance? I don't know. I don't know if it's an arrogance of like, you know, we don't need other people. Um, I hope it's not. Um, but it's something that, you know, I think every Christian should ask, you know, like, do I care for, for my brother or my sister? Do I love them, you know, um, enough to, to start a relationship, to, to, you know, do life together, you know, meet up for a coffee, um, 
because like walls are only walls if you don't like just you know smash them down really and just find out what 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 you connect on instead of focusing on what you're different about you know yeah i do like the idea that you know do you care enough to give them the time of the day to start a relationship mm. um it's i think we i do and i think we all do live in a culture which is hand chosen you go around like you go around anywhere and you just pick the parts that you want and it's because you've all got cars now so with and with you know mass communication it's easy to select your little world mm. and not be well this is the world I've got because it's my local community so yeah you're right my church experience growing up is the adults there they weren't all the same or they didn't always have the same interests but they made they realized that they got the biggest thing in common so it was worth doing mm. like it was worth taking them out for a coffee although i think it wouldn't have been a coffee it would have been a glass of schlur <laughs> but you know now you don't necessarily have to do that even in a city even if you go to a big church you can pick people just your age mm. with similar interests similar personality types it's hand chosen it's like bespoke mm. church mm. and like for churches in rural communities like is the most of my experience you don't quite have that choice of picking the kind of people that you want to associate with because they're similar a similar age or have the same interests as you so rather than make like well this is my community anyway you're like okay right i'm gonna look for my community elsewhere and sometimes that's good that means you go to other churches great sometimes it means you probably leave church so yeah it's about we want what we want rather than we're happy with what we've got privacy in the church I suppose it's similar to what we're talking about about a communal having a community so do you live in each other's pockets do you kind of have you got a shared life or do you see yourself as extremely private and that's an interesting debate I mean I am personally quite individualist I like my own space I like my own privacy for some good reasons and some bad reasons like some legitimately good and some legitimately bad reasons Um, I do remember you know hearing Banning Liebscher talk about community and saying that the church is like a a speedboat and if it's not in community it's like not in water it does not work Mm. and he to illustrate that he talked about certain communities don't have the possessive words for individual ownership like I have that they don't even talk in that manner it's collectively owned but at the same time you know and I appreciate that and I think really it's a voluntary subscription to a community where I also see a difficulty in that my values and my beliefs don't always line up with the state as a Christian they don't Mm. you know so I value my privacy for that reason Mm. and I value my disconnect from larger society for that reason I don't I have views that I don't think people I think my fundamental view that I believe there's an invisible God who I communicate and have a relationship with is to some people insane and would clash with a lot of academics in the country Mm. And 
with nearly most academics and actually if you were to start kind of talking about the ins and outs of even having faith would yeah you'd there'd be maybe not a backlash but people there may be a lack of trust a loss of trust in society with that I'm a teacher and if I want you know I don't work working in a public in the public sphere maybe there would be a lack of trust there a breakdown of trust I don't trust your mental state if you're going to talk like that so I have a suspicion of the state so I'm, I'm naturally a little bit more private yeah it's an interesting topic isn't it about you know because <clears throat> like you say society is so private and you know say you know like new Christians coming into the church it's like you know this this area of your life you know society you know it's it's fair enough being private you know it's it's more of a it's a shame you know but like community in in the world is non-existent really I mean we barely know you know neighbors for the last few times that we've we've moved oh, yeah I actually don't mind you know, you know it's, yeah. it's just it's it's quite sad but it's just you know life is really busy and it's not valued high, highly enough uh, to spend time with your your neighbors so you don't um it's something that you know we try and address as a family uh, and we're going to do again in in our new house um but it's you know in church there isn't that element of privacy i don't think you know it's it's kind of you know this is your family mm. you know bible is so explicit in in as much as saying you know your personal family isn't as important as your church family now you know yeah. it's like you know this is your priority your bros and sisters that you see in you know in church are your lifeblood really you know you, you you're meant to live for them with them you know support them you know that the early christians were you know financially we will support each other if anyone's in need i will sell what i have you know such a such a you know a self selfless way and um, which like you know I, I don't think the church is there yet you know but at least it's a bit closer to that than society is yeah, maybe um, but yeah. it's it's something that you know we should um you know just talk about ourselves and and think how can we build community how can you know a strong sense of community be in each church how can you know uh, and I, I think it's just spending time it's just literally it's 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 so simple but it's just you know getting to know someone really well mm. you know and that just takes hours and hours and years and years and it and it's it takes open openness as well you know like this is my life i'm prepared to open up my life and my front doors uh, to whoever that i come into contact with you know in in christendom and um, and that's a really powerful thing you know you can, you can be you know sharing your life with some um you know another family another individual it can be so close i mean we've known each other for like 20 years maybe you know and and we know each other incredibly well just because the amount of time that we spent um but and that that's so important you know it's it's so important and and loneliness is such a big thing in, in society and you know I've, you know you come across so many different people um, and like you know, it, it, 
you find out that you are their social interaction. Mm. You know, outside of the church, outside of the community of the church, a lot of, you know, society, the wider population, will not have any social interaction outside of work. You know, that that is lonely. It's, I, I mean, I, I come... I'm right there with you, particularly on the openness. Mm. You've got to be vulnerable, haven't you, to be... Yeah. Because I've got people I spend tons of time with, and I don't really know them. No. You know, I've yeah. not actually shared my, my life. And probably because I don't see a future in that relationship, or I just don't trust them. Now, if you don't trust them, that's a problem. Yeah. I suppose if you're going to talk about the state again, do you trust them? Mm. You know, you've got to build trust with people, mm. and trust with the most private things about yourself mm. I mean it's with, again with the state it's like if you've got nothing to fit, hide you've got nothing to fear well I fear actually opening certain parts of my personality up to either you as the state or as an individual or the church I fear opening up about my sinful life there's a debate on and I, I've heard it being refuted quite well but you know, if it's about sexual preference, should we treat paedophilia as a sexual preference that maybe you shouldn't enact on, but it's there, and so we should treat you? Mm. Well, you can't even have that conversation because it's a very difficult conversation to have with the best people in society who are so mean, well-meaning. So if you have those impulses, if you're one of the very small percentage of the population with that impulse, who do you trust? Like you don't trust anybody mm. so you're not going to be open with anybody and that's ex probably one of the more extreme examples you can use but we've all got little things mm. that we're not sure we can trust people with mm. and I just don't that's sad isn't it it's sad and I think it's it's sad that those those hidden secrets can and be in the church so often and and that lack of trust you know and, and someone can have a problem for, for decades and no one knows about it you know because you know possibly they don't trust or they you know what is going to happen to me if I actually be open with someone I mean I don't quite get why the church has been historically and I'm not saying right now but historically so bad at dealing with people's sin mm. when our most obvious example in Jesus is that he was pretty nice to people who'd done terrible things mm. Or who'd lived in a terrible way, mm. or were technically unclean. He was really good at dealing with them. Mm. And um, like Becky was watching Call the Midwife, and there was somebody who had, it was a very Christian community, I guess it's set like in the 50s. And this um, husband of this white woman had come out and was caught for being gay or public indecency at the time. And not only was he kind of shunned and massively ostracized, but his wife was as well. Mm. And she'd done, I mean, even in the eyes of the law, she'd done nothing wrong. He technically had, and they were both shunned. It turns out, I mean, in the end, the little bit that I saw, the pastor or the vicar or whatever, and the wife were very welcoming. And actually it was quite a nice bit. I only saw that one episode, but the church has been historically bad at dealing with how do we talk about sin and say we think this is wrong mm. without shaming people therefore there's no public trust in or well, you can go to the church if you've got an issue mm. I mean that's where that trust breaks down is historically how bad the church has been at dealing with people just saying I've got a problem 
yeah. and I think yeah yeah and that's um, it's something that needs addressing you know it's it's like you know think about the scripture you know in the last days you know people have a form of godliness but deny its power and that power is to to see change you know like you know i'm i'm constantly changing um i'm constant constantly you know becoming a different person you know in some ways good some ways bad um but i always know you know jesus wants the best for me he wants freedom for me he wants me to um be everything that he has called me to be you know um because you know i was born for greatness you was born for greatness mm. everyone was born for greatness we were born for you know being friends with god you know like how how can we feel um even slightly on our own in church or worried about what can you know come our way or affect us or send us down a, a bad path you know because you know we've been too open or, or something you know with the fact that you know we are friends of god you know i i i heard you know a, a, a guy that I, I listened to quite a lot you know talk about you know if if you struggle with prayer you know just think about this is not me praying but this is an audience with the god of the universe and and that is the fact of that mm. that is a fact of prayer and that is a fact of being a christian is you know i have intimacy i can have intimacy with you know the, the god that changed everything that started everything and you know anything can happen with my words these these you know reverberation these fluctuations in air pressure that i'm saying into the atmosphere are going straight into god's ears um, and have an impact i suppose it's it's like what we said before it's trust mm. i don't you might not trust god mm. you kind of feel theoretically that he knows you inside and out and he's seen everything you do wrong but how much do you trust going back to the prodigal son that he's going to respond in a positive way rather than in a, a in a frustrated way you know and that's really paramount because if you think he's going to react in a frustrated way or even an angry way mm. and I, i'm not saying god doesn't get angry i think he does absolutely mm. but if you think he's going to respond that way to your your failures your frustrations and your issues then yeah you're probably going to try and avoid that person <laughs> You don't trust him in the way that you should or that you perceive that you, you can. And so, again, you're going to probably not want to talk to him that much. Mm -hmm. You're going to want to acknowledge him, but you're probably going to keep him at a distance like a, a distant parent that you love, but you kind of don't want to be around that much. <laughs> you know, so you've got to trust this, this guy. You've yeah. got to trust this person, this being. And, like, if you come to that point where you think, I actually can, um, that's profound I, I had a moment where I felt like I could trust him somebody kind of talked about how God deals with your sin and he talked about the idea that he doesn't tell he doesn't like the biblical phrase would be he doesn't expose you to shame but he doesn't tell people about what you've done wrong he doesn't broadcast it he's not the kind of person who would say right in order to deal with your problem disclosure I'm, I'm, yeah I'm going to disclose it to the public and so I'm going to cause this because you're corrupt He's not, he's not the kind of person that said, you're corrupt. 
you're in a position of responsibility uh, just by being that's, that's uh, the power of sin right yeah because that, that's the power of sin is what is this going to cost me yeah what is this going to affect what is this going to mean that is that is the fear that can come into a life exposure you know? yeah public exposure and we're very good at it mm. you know if you want to ask the politician expose his wrongdoing now I'm not saying it's all wrong there's, there's biblical precedent for exposing but it's literally one of the last things you sh- it says you should do if not the last thing that and really Jesus we know covers your sin yeah. love covers a multitude of sin he doesn't say right guys you know and I like the old Catholic confession it's like just the priest mm-hmm. and then really as a Protestant not even the priest you can tell Jesus now it does say confess your sins to one another and I think that's really really important but really you don't have to come out and broadcast to everybody what you've done wrong in fact when I was in Dudley um there was like a I think it was the great was it the great granddaughter of Smith Wigglesworth there preaching and she was talking about you don't always need to know sometimes the issues of your partner's life and she was talking about you know you have to give up your right to to know everything mm. and it was kind of a lot part of a completely different larger part but she said sometimes if you find out what people have done or what people have said about you it's not going to help you no it's actually going to cause a what's already maybe an offence or an issue to become worse it's not going to help you to forgive them you know that they've done it mm. you just need to forgive you don't need to know mm. um, and in that sense you know I don't need everybody to know what I've done everything I've ever done wrong or habitually done wrong I just need the forgiveness of you know the church and and of God ultimately yeah um, but do I trust them mm. I think I do but to what extent and and that's always the question um to what extent do i actually trust this person mm. i think i think um talking about humanity and, and people i think it's very easy to um be indoctrinated with that sense of because of sin um, and what it does to a mind and what it does to a life of feeling uh, inadequate um and almost constructing that wall between you and God yourself mm. not even like other people you know um, uh, giving you this this issue um, but making this this wall yourself and I mean I've found myself I've come to a point where personally I've started to kind of say to myself you are deeply loved you know mm. you are deeply loved and I almost like talking to my mind and my spirit my soul um, saying you know you are deeply loved by God you are you know you are special to him and it, it's doing something for me and like you know I, I can almost I can you know recommend it to other people you know if if you you feel like you've got a boundary if you feel like you've put up a wall you know speak to it the Bible says speak to it so many different mm-hmm. times you know in different different ways speak to it with scriptures speak to it with you know, uh, truth and revelation of of who you really are, because like you said before, you know, your relationship with God, your destiny. So much of that is based on how you see God. Yeah, I mean, it was T- A. W. Tozer that said it's the most important part about you, mm. what you think of him, mm. and how you view him. 
and yeah I mean in terms of praying for yourself or talking over yourself I mean it, 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 for me it's like and I've even uh, physically done this it's like doing reps mm-hmm. it's like doing spiritual reps it's like working my muscles requires a persistent kind of pattern and if I can say that I'm like exercising my my inner self and um, I mean it talks about you know physical exercise spiritual exercise in the bible and sometimes it feels a little bit like that you know if I'm saying something if I'm kind of changing the pattern of my thinking I'm spiritually exercising I'm becoming tougher like in a good way Mm. I'm becoming stronger and I've seen the benefit of that like I think one of the (laughs) at this moment I hate spiders I hate them (laughs) and uh I've been in moments where so if I see one, on the one sofa right next to you, right? yeah, I'm gonna throw your dog at it. <laughs> um, well, there's been moments where if I've seen a like one out of the corner of my eye, I've, I've really jumped. When I was a kid, I saw I got really close to a big wolf spider, really close. It was like crawling up my brother's back. It freaked me out. And uh, a few years ago, I went to when I was with the school I was working at. They had this guy who came in with all different insects, and he brought two tarantulas in. And he was really good at talking about how fear and phobias start and it's the reaction. I thought, I had a reaction, a bad reaction. But anyway, I got to hold this tarantula and he was, and he, he was really good because that was his job dealing with phobias. So it was, it was a nice introduction. Mm. But there was a point where I thought I wouldn't have been able to do this um, a while ago. And what's changed and what enabled me to have this kind of calmness in myself when I encountered something I didn't like. And I was in a, particularly good spiritual place and I think I've been doing some spiritual exercise like you're saying mm-hmm. and I kind of came away with the sense that I'm actually a little bit just a little bit stronger uh, in my relationship with God mm-hmm. in how he wants me to think and feel about myself and so I was able to encounter something a little bit uncomfortable and with the help of this guy and this like really docile tarantula I was able to hold a spider and it didn't bother me at all actually I, I was able to do it quite easily and so I, I felt like why was I able to do that then and I wouldn't have been able to do it before um, and you can come up with all kind of different reasons maybe I was old I'm not that much older but and I think for the what I felt at the time was no I feel a little stronger within myself due to my understanding of my relationship with God and how he thinks about me mm-hmm. I felt just tougher Mm. in a good way <laughs> well to be there to finish um, I'd like to talk about you know this this podcast you know kind of if you enjoy it uh, at the end we'll give an email address um, would like to kind of have a portion of the end of this talking about a topic a subject in church whatever that is um, um, and just talking about you know what the Bible says you know what uh, we've learned about that subject um, I just think it'll be really useful because um, there's so many things like you know me growing up you know I, I was like searching for answers and just there wasn't many answers around you know I didn't know who to ask and you know and like it was almost like the, the Holy Spirit was teaching me you know everything because I just I couldn't find out what was true what was acceptable wasn't what wasn't acceptable and it just took me years and like it'd be great to see you know you know this following generation learn from 
are this generation. Well, it's weird. So they don't do the same yeah. stuff that we did, you know. And in one ge- in one small generation, the internet has changed it in that I felt like I had no help in this. To suddenly I got a bit of help, to suddenly now I've got all the help in the world. Mm. Uh, but it's then discerning what help do I go to because it's this you know tons of rubbish there's tons of great things out there just finding out what kind of is helpful to you yeah yeah so like you know send in your questions thoughts um, and you know we'll endeavour to to have some kind of wisdom Pro- you know probably not that much but you know, <laughs> you know we'll just ask someone you know a bit older <laughs> or wiser than us possibly um and we'll just try and you know have a dialogue. You know, try and like learn as a community. Um, learn even for you know, I, I'd find it very beneficial to be quite more a bit more focused anyway myself of like you know learning different things because you can just you know ease through this life so easily. It'd be great to just learn more and and uh, have a bit more of a revelation of uh, what. God has for us and, and, and you know live a bit closer to what he's ordaining um, so yeah send send in ideas questions if you you think that uh, this is a good idea if you think if you think it's a bad idea probably don't send any you know emails <laughs> um, you know we don't need that kind of discouragement you know this earlier on our confidence is hanging by in the rest you know, we're, we're happy to do this because, you know, we could talk about nonsense for, for hours anyway, you know, and um, but hopefully this is beneficial um, and uh, stay tuned for the next one to come. Thank you. Thank you.